everybody, it's Dimity here with the Train Like a Mother Club. I am here with um, Running by Heart Rate coach Liz Waterstrat. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Liz. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm glad to have you around. You're around in many ways on <laughs> <your> Facebook page, <laughs> designing the programs along with your um, your fellow coach, Jenny Harrison, who is out um, doing a camp in Arizona right now. Isn't she running a triathlon camp? Yes, yes. She. Well, we each do camps. So I just came back from my camp in Palm Desert, California, and then she is out at her camp in Tucson, Arizona. Wow. How did your How did your camp go? Oh, it was amazing. Um, we had such a wonderful group this year. The energy, the camaraderie. We really made it um, more of an experience. So we had massage therapists come in. We had someone come in and do yoga. We had a professional chef. So oh. it was like. Oh yeah, it was it was truly a vacation, but we also got to play triathlon all weekend, so it was a lot of fun. <laughs> I was gonna say I don't know about a vacation. I mean, how many how many miles did you guys ride? Or um, yeah, because well, I imagine you put a lot of time on the bike. Well, we do two of everything, so we do two swims, two bikes, and two runs, and and it's really more about the educational points in each oh, sport cool. versus versus some camps are just you know cramming in miles, but we like to make people better athletes when they leave. So we do a lot of form analysis and, and just educating people and putting them in challenging situations where they can stretch themselves, but it's not overwhelming. Cool. Cool. Well, yeah. you are yeah. um, very good at the educational format in the running by heart rate programs as well. And that's what we're going to dive into. Um, if you happen to be listening to this and you came to the um, video presentation yesterday, Obviously, we're not exactly the same, um, not because yesterday we talked about spring break, and now we're talking about more fun triathlon camps. I neglected to hit record um, yesterday. That was my bad. Um, so we're doing this again. Liz is gracious enough to help me. So if these answers sound a little bit different, that's why, but we're going to definitely make sure that we get to all the questions and get to the meat of the answers that you um, helped us with yesterday, Liz. So just a brief heads up. Um, okay, so we have the, um, this is, uh, Leslie from Toronto. She's in um, the Running by Heart Rate Introduction Program. Um, and this is her question. She attends Orange Theory Fitness on Tuesdays and Thursday mornings. She feels like she's missing out on the drills for those days. Should I do the workouts as well on the same day or add them into the next session? So that's a really good question. Uh, first, I would say on your Orange Theory days, let's just keep that as your workout. Those workouts can be very intense and aggressive, so I, I wouldn't want to add any more work on top of those. So then we're looking at putting those drills, which I think are really important, and they should be included somewhere else. Um, we could put those into any run. So those, those can be part of your warm-up. Those can be part of your cool-down, but feel free to put those in anywhere during your run. I love it. I love it. And um, and we talked a little bit about there, there are two kinds of kind of runs that have drills in them. One are what you call your form runs, where what you have your the athletes in these programs do is think about some aspect of their form periodically during the run, right? Um, and then yes. one are the and then some of the drills runs, and those are like more like drills where you stop and you do some butt kicks or some high knees or some karaoke slash karaoke. I'm sorry, slash grapevine stuff that kind of um, kind of I, I always think about it like flossing your nervous system a little bit, right? Like tell tell mm -hmm. us kind of what those what those drills serve as a purpose. So the drills are going to connect you to good running form and also 
create the firing patterns for going faster, or we could call it the neuromuscular coordination. So when you do something like a butt kick, the point of that is to get that sensation of reducing contact time with the ground, being really sharp and crisp with your steps, um, and engaging those glutes in the process. Something like karaoke, totally different, and it doesn't seem relevant to running, but that just helps you move in that uh, you know, side to side or, or lateral movement, which we rarely do as runners. We're always just going forward. And so if we can work those side to side muscles, especially if someone has an IT band weakness, you know, anything we can do to strengthen the abductors and, and our, our lateral muscles, um, the karaoke will help with that. So, you know, the drills, each is a little bit different and each targets a little different muscle or, or pattern of movement. Um, but they all kind of help you just run, run better, run more efficiently, and to better integrate good running form. I love that. I love that. Um, okay, so um, Donna is asking, what is the best way to jump back into this plan after being out several weeks with an injury? I just started back and my heart rate spikes up more quickly than it used to. Should I do another heart rate test or try and stay within my parameters while I build back up? So her parameters are in, in your... Um, in here, in these programs, we have people do a little test, as she mentioned, and, and then you get zones, right? Zone one, two, three, and four. So you have your own numbers for what each zone is designed for. Yes, yes. So, um, so Donna, this is a really good question. And I think something we all wonder after we have a, a little bit of a layoff, like how is our heart rate going to be impacted and, and our pace? And so, you know, my, my, the first question that actually comes to my mind when I hear this question is, what was her injury? And yep. that would maybe dictate how I direct her in returning. So if it's, you know, if it's something where she had a, a long layoff due to some type of a bone injury or some type of a, a muscle pull, I would be really conservative in the comeback. But if it's just like she's getting over a little bit of tendonitis and, and she's got the PT's blessing and everything is okay, then she could kind of jump back into things a, a little more quickly. But in either case, I would just put the heart rate aside for now, knowing that it's going to be higher. And, and that's okay. Give your body, let's say, three to six weeks for everything to settle back to more of a normal or baseline heart rate that you're used to seeing. And you know, take that maybe just, just out of the process for now, because sometimes as we're coming back, if there's too many inputs, it, it gets really frustrating. It's hard enough to come back from an injury. We just yeah. feel slow and sloppy and running isn't as much fun maybe as it wasn't as it was before we left off. So, so I would say just run, let rate of perceived exertion be your guide. If you want to okay. check in with your heart rate, it might actually be motivating to track your heart rate and see, oh, well, today an 11-minute mile was 160 beats per minute, but next week it's 155 beats per minute. And that way you can see your progress, which for some people is really motivating. So I wouldn't do a heart rate test. You know, it's, it's not going to show you anything that you're going to like. You know, your heart rate zones have probably changed, and, and that's okay. Like I said, just give it three to six weeks to settle down. Exactly. Okay. No, I like that. Yeah, especially because she's been out. I mean, I think yesterday you mentioned, um, like, obviously, the longer you're out, the longer you need to give yourself grace yeah. because you come back in, right? Yeah, you know, usually, so let's say somebody is offered running for four weeks. What, mm -hmm. the general, what the general rule is, and I have no idea where this came from, but I do find it to be fairly true, 
is you give yourself double the amount of time that you were off to get back to the point where you left off. So if you were off four weeks, expect it to take about eight weeks to start seeing paces where you left off. That's really helpful. That's great. Um, and and um, testing. I mean, in each of these programs, you have we have um, you know we have the introduction as we mentioned. We have a 10k. We have the half marathon and the marathon. Two programs in each of those longer distance races. They basically test every four weeks for their heart rate zones. Is that? I mean, is that a hard and fast rule, or is that something that um, they can kind of change as they? You know, if, if they don't want to do it in four weeks, can they skip it and, and do it again in eight weeks or kind of talk about how important it is to keep on track of those zones? I would say if you're newer to a program or running in general, it's important to test every four weeks just because you are going to more likely see changes that rapidly. And you just always want to make sure that you're working with current numbers, heart rate zones, paces. Um, and especially as the weather changes too, you might you might find it's different indoors versus outdoors, you know, slightly warmer versus cold. Um, but somebody who's more experienced or has been running a long time, you know, the testing isn't as important because things aren't going to change very quickly anymore. You you might see subtle changes, um, but in general, your heart rate, your your threshold is going to stay around the same place. Your ability to go faster at that same heart rate will change. That, that's a good thing, right? You can go. For yes, it. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So you can see that. Well, and you brought up threshold. And here's a great question. It's coming from Carol. She said, um, I really enjoyed the running by heart rate introduction program. Um, I love the variety of workouts and love the course material. It was clear and comprehensive. So great job, Coach Liz and Coach Jen. Um, and, uh, and so then she has a question about, um, she said that she's been trying to sort through in her head. She said, um, I saw progress over eight weeks. Um, I saw an increase in pace between the second and third tests. Um, she did a first test as walking. So in the introduction plan, you can walk for, do a walking test. And then in every other plan, we ask you to do a 15 minute running um, test to get your zones. Um, she saw an increase in her average heart rate with each test. So she went from um, a cap of her zone two from 139 after her walking test to 143 to 146. Um, so before I dive in further, let's talk just a little bit about if you are newer to this um, and testing, like, are you going to want to, how often will you see those changes and, and which direction do you want them to go? Okay, so so every four weeks, you know, we suggest a test if you're newer to the program and a few things you might see. One, you might see yourself getting faster at the same heart rate. That's a good mm -hmm. thing. Yep. You might see yourself getting faster at a lower heart rate. That's an even better thing. You might actually see your average heart rate going up because you are getting more comfortable with running harder. So running harder or running faster takes a lot of, um, it's biomechanically like very demanding. And if you haven't done it in the past, it's not that you won't like physically be able to push yourself harder. It's that you can't coordinate the muscles quickly enough to go harder or faster. So as you're doing more faster running in our programs, even those short little pickups are conditioning you to run faster. So let's say you did your first run test and then the next time you did it, you're finding your average heart rate is higher. Well, that could indicate that, that you've just increased your speed potential by doing the drills, by doing you know the pickups and the workouts. Your body is just more ready or, or comfortable with going harder. Totally. 
totally. Um, so, so she says that um, this increase in average heart rate seems like a win, which it may be, as you just explained. Um, um, and in training, she can go a little faster and she can walk a little less because her zones are higher. But um, she, sa she says, does lower lactate threshold, which you are aiming for, mean an increased average heart rate in the test or lowering it? Or is it more complicated? So actually, so um, she does, we don't want a lower lactate threshold. We want to move that lactate threshold um, higher, I guess, right? Or increase it. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, okay. we do. Okay, so that's what we're going for. So first of all, before, so taking a step back, what is lactate threshold exactly and how does it affect race performance? Okay, so when you start activating more muscle fibers and burning more carbohydrate, this thing called lactate starts to increase. And the point at which your body begins to produce lactate faster than it's able to process it or get rid of it, that is your lactate threshold. So it's kind of like a crossover point. So it's like, I'm comfortable, I'm comfortable, and then all of a sudden things start building up and my body can't clear them anymore and now I'm uncomfortable and I start to slow down. So as your effort level increases, that lactate will increase. So when an athlete is newer to the sport, their lactate levels are gonna rise quickly relative to their effort. So lactate is actually, or lactate threshold is actually a powerful measure of your endurance ability. So what we're looking for is your ability to keep raising that lactate threshold higher and higher because that's gonna indicate a better endurance ability. Think about professional marathoners. They're out there running their marathon in two, two ten, and they are close to their lactate threshold the entire time. That's how well conditioned they are. Okay, so um, you know, in, in less fit athletes, they're going to kind of fizzle out quickly because they're not used to clearing things out. Um, they're not used to clearing that lactate production. But in, the more fit you are, the better you are at clearing it, and the the longer you can stay there. And the and the more we can keep moving that up. And I think I mentioned yesterday that some of the, the fittest endurance athletes will actually have a small difference between their lactate threshold and their max heart rate. So that's another number you can look at. If, if you're really into numbers and motivated by them, you can keep track of where your max heart rate is at and where your average heart rate is at, and you can watch as those get closer and closer. Nice. Because your average heart rate, more or less, I mean, it's definitely not scientific. We're not in a lab, but that tends right. to um, tends to to um, coordinate or tends to correlate with your lactate threshold. Is that right? Yes, yes. Yeah. We are making the the assumption that that going fifteen minutes as hard as you can, especially for newer athletes, is going to represent their lactate threshold. Now, once you get more conditioned, you know we start looking at a twenty to thirty minute test. Um, because because you can handle that that duration of an effort, but if you're if you're more beginner to a, a program or, or even intermediate, 15 minutes is usually sufficient and represents where your lactate threshold is at. Nice, nice. And so um, and so to be clear, so so just Carol, so you you got a lot of great information. So we just want to make sure that basically what we want to do is move that point out where your body because your body makes lactic acid when you're running, regardless, right? But it's it's even at rest, where, even it at rest, it makes it rest. Yeah. Okay. But it, but it, but but this this threshold is when all of a sudden it can't vacuum up as much as you're producing, right? It's like it's a, like a faucet right. overflowing to to mix my um, housework metaphors, right? Yeah. <laughs> the sink is on, the vacuum on, um, but basically your body just gets flooded, right? Because it just doesn't have the um the, the mechanisms to clear it fast enough, and that's when your muscles start to break down and you feel like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pass out here. That is correct. Okay. Okay. So that so that's and and the training that we do to move that lactic threshold out 
is the stuff where you kind of hang right underneath it, right? It's the the um, like the pickups that we do. The um, I can't think of stuff off the top of my head, but I mean, there's a lot of stuff in these plans where you are running at race pace or close to it, or yeah. you know, getting your effort in that zone, right? Yeah, even a traditional tempo workout, you know, when you're starting to get into that upper zone three, low zone four heart rate, those are more of your threshold efforts. So they're typically a little bit longer. And honestly, they're really uncomfortable because, you know, the thing about shorter efforts, like let's say you went to the track and you were doing 400 meter repeats. Well, you know that in two to two and a half minutes, that pain is over. So it's really not that bad. But when you're looking at a threshold interval, these are going to be five seven, eight, sometimes 10 minutes long. So that's a long time to, to make friends with your pain. So, so people tend to not enjoy that type of training too much because it's, it's, just, it's just challenging in many ways, mentally and physically. Totally. Well, and I asked you yesterday and I'd like to ask you again because I think it's really helpful because we're always looking for that kind of mental insight. How do you hang there when your every cell is saying, oh, you could be at home in bed, you could be running slower, you, why are you doing this dimity, you don't have to do this, like, what do you do, Liz, when you are, you know, at my minute 15, and you have to get to 20, like, how do you spend those last five minutes, you know? Well, I always like to look at self-talk, so, so self-talk is really important as an athlete, and, and that's actually where our confidence comes from, is the things we tell ourselves, so having some type of a self-talk plan, and your self-talk plan, it can have different, like, different um, prongs to it. So, so the first one might be, you know, I'm going to just go technical. So I'm going to focus on swinging my arms behind me more than in front of me. I'm going to focus on my turnover. I'm, I'm going to focus on, you know, being relaxed. And the next one that I might think about is more of, um, like a tactical thing, like, like driving the stride or, or, um, building effort or, or hanging in, hanging in that discomfort or finding good rhythm. And then, you know, for the last few minutes, I might reserve those self-encouragement things, like, like those, those touchy-feely, positive uh, yeah. things, things that, you, you know, the things that don't take us very far when we're really hurting. So I like to save those until the end um, <laughs> because I know that there's not too much time. To, I mean, you can't, you can't positive talk your way through a 10K. You really can't. Like, it has to, it has to go a little deeper than that. But those, that's where, you know, towards the end of those intervals, I might say something like, you can do it. You're strong. Um, you can do anything for two more minutes. So, yeah. so having some, some different cues and different approaches to your self-talk is helpful. Definitely. Definitely. I love it. You can't sell, you can't positive self-talk your way through a 10 K. Yeah. I, I think no. that that's very true, but, but you yeah. can, but you can, I mean, thinking about your form, thinking about yes. landing light, thinking about, um, you know, the drills, like little contact with the ground, all that stuff that we work on in the programs. I think that's a really smart way to, um, to pass some time when you're uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, at some point, you know, when you start to use a lot of positive self-talk early on, your brain is really smart and, and it's, it's gonna fight you on that. And when you get more and more fatigued, it's harder to put up that fight. So, so you just need to have a multifaceted approach there. Sure, I love it, I love it. Um, okay, so Jan has a question also kind of about testing. Um, she said that she went out for a no-tech run today. Um, we have, an, again, in all the programs that you guys do, we have a run where basically you run naked of all electronics, any phone, GPS, that kind of thing. Um, she said, except for that I wore the tech, but she didn't look down until she was done. Um, she's in Florida right now for spring break, um, 65 degrees at 7.30 in the morning and a 94% humidity, so quite high. 
Um, she said, I usually end up walking to get my heart rate down from zone three, but without the tech um, to rely on, I didn't know when that was. So she ran 30 minutes with no stops. I didn't die and I didn't feel awful. I will do another heart rate test next week when I'm back in the colder temperatures at home. She says, I'm 68 years old. My zone two tops out at 147. And she said, on this run, on this no tech run, she was about 60% in zone three, 40% in zones one and two. And her pace was a little bit faster. It was 30 to, sec 30 to 60 seconds per mile faster than normal. That's more than a little bit. So 30 to seconds um, faster per mile, but she spent most of the time in zone three. So as a coach, um, what do you think of this run and, and how did it benefit her as an athlete? Well, first, um, you know, it benefited her because she enjoyed it. It, yeah. it sounds like she, she enjoyed it. And, and that's, that's the beauty of doing those no tech runs. We just get out there and connect to why we run in the first place because it's fun. We feel good. We're out in nature. Uh, so, so it takes any thinking or any process out of it other than that. So, so the other, the other thing that, you know, that we need to keep in mind about this run is, is she was in a climate that she wasn't acclimated to. So naturally her heart rate was going to be higher. So the, the time she spent in zone three is, is not surprising at all. And it's not concerning, um, you know, because your heart rate will be about 10 beats higher if you're, if you're not acclimated. Um, okay. So the, the fact that her, her pace was faster. So that's interesting, but not surprising. I mean, some people run really well in that zone three, kind of what we call like a gray zone. So, so zone three, or tempo-ish, up-tempo, up-tempo, let's call it, running, uh, is not hard enough to really bump your fitness up, and it's not easy enough to, like, recover and build phys phys uh, fitness. So it's kind of that middle ground, that gray ground, um, and we don't want to spend too much time there because it doesn't really do much for us, but it, it sure is very enjoyable because most of us have good rhythm, and it just feels good to be there. Now, what's interesting, though, is that her face was her pace was a lot faster there. And so that makes me wonder, too, if when she's running easier, she's just not biomechanically efficient. And sometimes that drives our heart rate up. So that might be something where she wants to take a look at or where she can. And this is a good segue into, I think, the next thing we're going to talk about. But yep. she can take a look at her form or have us take a look at her form and maybe send us some video of her running easy and her running at that pace 30 second, 60 seconds faster to see if there's something she's doing that might be driving her heart rate up when she's running easier. So that's a lot of information I just dumped there. But, um, but it's not surprising that she felt good. And it was still beneficial, you know, because that the purpose of that run was just to go out there without technology and enjoy it. Absolutely. That's great. So no harm, no foul on that one. Foul on that one. Um, and and um, I'm curious because, oh, I'm sorry. That's my mom's dog. <laughs> on my mom. Um, my dog Alice. doesn't bark ever. Alice. I know her name's Alice. Alice from <laughs> Dallas is her name. Alice from Dallas. Um, anyway, uh, so, so one of the things that um, you talked about yesterday, and I think it's important, is, is you went to Disney World, right? Because you're coming out of Chicago yeah. and heading to a warm climate. So, and if there are people that are making a similar migratory pattern over, over the spring break time, I mean, what should they do with their zones, especially if they get into a humid, hot climate that they have not been exposed to recently? Well, you want to take the first few runs just easier, regardless of what your heart rate says or what your pace says, just go easy because the heat that you're not acclimated to is a stressor and we need to account for that. And we don't want running to be super stressful in addition to that extra heat. So you just want to slow down, take things a little bit easier. 
After that, you might get more used to the running in the heat, um, but you still might notice that your heart rate is a little bit elevated. And, and so I would say, you know, maybe bumping up your zones by five, five beats would be okay. Um, okay. But, you know, it's, it takes a good 14 days to acclimate to heat. So for, for these like spring break, one week vacations, you know, your heart rate's going to be elevated. You just want to make sure you're not going, it, that every run isn't super stressful. The other part of this is just making sure when you go on these runs in these in these warm climates that you're not used to is paying extra attention to your hydration. So bring along your fuel belt or your handheld bottle, um, get in the hydration that you need, especially pay attention to hydration before and after your workouts too. Did that happen to your athletes in Palm Desert? Like coming from, did, were most of them coming from Chicago? Did they feel the heat or was it um, pretty temperate? Well, they had Coach Liz there too, telling them exactly <laughs> what to do. Um, it was exactly. ninety. It, it was ninety degrees one day, um, but oh that's where. Yeah. It, so, but it's it's a different heat. It's a dry heat, which is totally yeah. different than a Florida heat. Um, but the problem with the dry heat is it, it, it sneaks up on you and you don't yeah. realize it. You know. So, um, so yeah, it helps to have a coach standing there telling you exactly what to drink and when. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, okay, so before we get to the form, the part about video, which is really exciting, and I'm excited to yeah. talk about that, but let's do one more from Julia. Um, so she is running, I think she's in the 10K program right now, um, and one of the things that she brought up, I've seen a couple times, and I wanted you to have, have you talk about it. She said, um, I also feel, I feel like my Achilles, ankles, and calves are more tight and sore than if I was running without heart rate. Um, and can you talk about why that might be and what, what we can do about it? Yeah, so sometimes when we are running slower, so I assume in the heart rate program, it's new to her and heart rate is a new thing. And so maybe she's had to slow down to rein in her heart rate. So she's probably running a little bit slower than she's used to running. And mm -hmm. like I said in one of the previous questions, sometimes when we run slower, we're changing our form and we're just not efficient. So um, a few things here. She might be running with a really slow turnover, and so her foot is on the ground for a long period of time, and she's got a lot of time where she's absorbing the shock or the, the forces from the road, and that force is just like going to the weakest part on her, uh, and it's getting overloaded. So okay. we want to make sure that she's running with, you know, maybe 170 steps per minute. Uh, 180 steps per minute is, is challenging for most people to get to right away, but making sure that she's not running like under 160 steps per minute. Um, the other thing is when people run easy is and, and they're trying to shorten their stride and, and, and go easier, sometimes they run more up and down than forward. So so they end up bouncing a lot or, or having a lot of what's called vertical oscillation, so vertical up and down. Um, so if she could keep in mind this idea of driving your stride, like imagine that you're slightly leaning forward um, using your arms, getting your arms behind you, and, and almost like you're falling into each stride. So you're constantly driving that stride forward. You're not too upright. You're not, some people lean back when they run too. So you want to make sure you're not doing that, but making sure that you're not just driving your energy up and down, which could really hurt your Achilles and calf as well. Um, and the last thing I, I thought of uh, <laughs> is that she might be striking too much on her forefoot. You know, maybe she's read a little bit on the internet about having a, a forefoot foot, foot strike and, and maybe she's almost like on her toes. Um, and, and this could be exasperated, exacerbated if she's in improper footwear too. Uh, and it's just overloading that posterior part of her leg. So the calf, the Achilles, um, all the good stuff back there. 
Yeah, yeah. I think that that, and we talked about this yesterday, but I just want to emphasize, I really liked that phrase that you used of driving your stride forward. And I know when I was running, especially in zones, low, the lower zones and heart rate, I just, I just kind of used it as a chance to kind of bob along, you know, I almost felt like I yeah. was, you know, and um, instead of thinking about really good mechanics and, um, and thinking about trying to, 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 to cover some ground, right? There is, there's a nice sweet spot between keeping your heart rate low, but still trying to, like you said, that nice lean and, and really thinking about um, your running form and not necessarily just focusing totally on your heart rate, which um, I think right. is a trap that you can easily fall into. So, um, so I like that a lot. And so that said, thank you for that um, advice. And so that said, one of the things that I'm super excited about, we had a call, um, you and uh, Jenny, and I had a call about two weeks ago and we talked about um, doing a little running form clinic on the Facebook pages. Um, and what that's gonna be, it's gonna start um, in kind of mid-April. And what we want you to do on each page, we'll, we'll give you a heads up so that um, the coaches don't miss anything, but we would love it if you'd like to, um, so to show us your running form. So basically you're gonna run um, away from the camera and then towards the camera, or probably towards the camera and then away. Is that what you'd like? Right, so we just need, and it doesn't have to be, sorry, now my dog is barking. I know, I'm saying, um, what does boss want is actually, yeah, yeah. how does he want you to run? <laughs> well, my husband has, my. we live on a hill, and oh. my, husband has the, my husband has the kids outside on those plasma cars. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they are zipping down the hill on these cars. <laughs> so it's funny, because I just see all three of them go by. The little one just went by. So the dog is watching them. Not liking it's, that. It's not safe. There's no helmets involved. <laughs> this could be a disaster. But anyway, um, back to the run video. So what we're looking for is just take your your smartphone and and give it to you know your running buddy or your spouse, whoever can videotape you. And we want you running away from the camera and to the camera, only about ten yards in each direction. Um, but it does have to be right in front of the camera, okay? And and then you can upload those videos. Um, you should be able to do that on Facebook. If not, you can always, we could figure out a way to get them to us, maybe texting even, but, um, but we can figure that out. Yeah, no, you can definitely upload them. And then what we're going to do, like I said, just, um, don't go do that right now. If you're hearing this, right. um, we're going to like, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of call you in line, <laughs> kind of like if you're at a banquet and you call you up to the um, buffet table to get your meal. So it will be, you know, we'll do running by, we'll do the introduction page one day. We'll do the 10 K and half marathon one page one day. And then we'll do the, marathoners one day um and if you're not on facebook we'd still love to help you do this so you just need to drop us an email and, and we can figure it out um but what's you know i just want to put it out there to put yourself out there right um it's, it's happened on the triathlon page that both of these coaches also oversee and they've done it with swimming and it's been really helpful for the people who you know took the time found somebody to film them in the water doing their freestyle and they got a bunch of um form tips and technique tips and things to think about um you know obviously not all at once but it's just a really nice check-in. It's a nice individual touch um, in a group program. So, so look for that, and I encourage you to try it. Yes, we are. We're excited to do that for the athletes. Cool, cool. Well, thank you, Liz. I'll let you go play it with the plasma cars. Um, <laughs> thanks again for for doing this again. Um, I really appreciate it. I know the athletes do too because this was super helpful content. So. Have a great rest of your spring break, and we will see you all on the Facebook page and around the Train Like a Mother Club. Sounds good. Take care.